It's a new year, so I think that means a new episode of the podcast. I bet all three of you that listen to this podcast thought that that was never going to happen. I guess you can think of it as a a late Christmas present or a, maybe a new year gift. I'm not sure how much of a gift it is, but yes, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back to it, back to the wrestling podcast. I'm in a new location. I have somewhat of a setup. I have a table and everything. Whereas before, I was sitting on my bed. So the mic is stable. So hopefully there'll be none of that. But that, that used to happen a lot. Uh, but no more will you hear the fumbling of a microphone in your ear. It's baby steps, you know. Um, slowly improving. Um, still trying to sort out intros and stuff you know so i'm not just jumping straight into talking um some people like that though just jumping straight into talking no sounds or intros or things in between just straight up talking some people like it um i'll still be mainly doing that but i think i need to get an intro at least sorted so i'm looking around seeing who um can sort that out for me and also try and figure out how to get that in to the actual podcast because i do all this editing stuff myself and i've never done it before and i just been looking at tutorials online so I'm slowly getting to grips with it again after about six months I've forgotten everything all the few things I did learn so um slowly 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 getting back to it so as some of you may know I used to wrestle myself and I haven't wrestled since about um about October 2020 so oh over two years now which is crazy um yeah I just stopped one day and I never returned but as of this year, I'm going to be back to training. Not wrestling training quite yet. I'm going to be in the gym as a mother put on a beard, a puppy fat, since uh, since I was last in the ring. So I'm going to be in the gym. I've got an online coach. I've got a nutrition plan sorted. I've got everything sorted. I'm going to be back to it. And hopefully by the middle of this year, I'll be back training in the ring in preparation to be back on shows. Um, obviously, there's going to be... A lot of ring rust. Um, I'm not going to be how I used to be. Um, I understand that everyone who I may or may not have been better of, better than in the past, um, they've probably all surpassed me now, which is that's just the way it is. My fault. So basically, we're going to be starting from the bottom, uh, work my way back to where I was on shows and stuff. So yeah, that's sort of my plan for this year. I'm going to get this podcast up and running i'm going to be doing stuff for that i'm going to be doing wrestling stuff i'm going to be doing just sort of keeping everyone updated i know no one really cares but it's for me really just to keep myself accountable and you know get it out there that i'm i'm trying to get back to this and this is what i want to do that's the main reason why i moved really because i've been wanting to move for a few years even when i was wrestling but never had the money etc obviously so now now i've moved i'm with my partner and um where I am now which is in Swindon it's a lot more accessible for all things wrestling really so when I am back to it I'll be a lot closer and it'll be a lot easier and I'll be be able to train more places it's going to be good I just need some time to prepare so in terms of the podcast we well I am going to try and get an episode out at least once a week probably on a Saturday um, because I'll be back to work um, in the new year, obviously. So weekdays usually a no go. 
and Saturdays and Sundays are the only days I have off so um, I'll try and plan it out during the week and record it Saturday and get it out Saturday that's what I'm going to try and do um, probably easier said than done but I think trying to s stick to a schedule get it out for a certain time and day every week will help with me trying to uh, do this consistently so yeah today's episode we're going to be talking about personally one of my favorite wrestlers of all time probably my favorite wrestler of all time to be honest um a guy who i whilst i was wrestling I took and stole most of his style because let's be honest wrestling nothing's original anymore I, more or less did what he did because he had such a an impact on wrestling for me um it's dynamite kid um a lot of people know the dynamite kid a lot of people know of the wrestler Dynamite Kid and also a lot of people know about the person Dynamite Kid which is not what we are getting into today personal life nothing nothing to do with me obviously people have their opinions I don't have an opinion all I'm interested in is the wrestling so we are going to be talking about his wrestling career today not personal wrestling so this guy along with uh, you know, Tiger Mask, Rollerball, Rocco, they're all, these guys were way ahead of their time in terms of the things they were doing, the pace of their matches, um, it's just astonishing, it it, it works today, everything they do, it, it holds up, you can't argue with that, it's just absolutely amazing the things they did, particularly Dynamite Kid obviously, because this is what this episode is about today, right, so we'll start from the beginning of his wrestling career. So Dynamite started his wrestling training with a man called Ted Bedley. Now, um, you hear a lot about Ted Bedley, but in doing my research, there's not really much online about him other than I've seen that he also had a helping hand in training the likes of Steve Wright as well as obviously Dynamite Kid. So the guy knew what he was talking about. Um, like I said, not a lot of information on Ted Bedley himself, but... The quality of those two wrestlers, obviously, the guy was quite a good trainer. The first opportunity he had in terms of wrestling on shows was for a promoter called Max Crabtree. Um, if you're a fan of British wrestling, you probably know who Max Crabtree is. Obviously, the brother of Shirley Crabtree, other known as, otherwise known as Big Daddy. Um, so yeah, that was a very, very popular promotion in the 70s, obviously, to wrestle for and Dynamite. That's who we started with. So during his early days, he won the British lightweight title on April 23rd, 1977, and the welterweight title on January 25th, 1978. So in quite a short amount of time, that his first show was in 1975, and he won two titles in the three years he was there. So considering the time, um, he had a, a lot of weight on his shoulders being put as the... Uh, two champions in three years obviously very impressive so it was clear from the start that this guy was he was going to go far by the time 1978 came around dynamite was uh, scouted by uh, a promoter from calgary alberta canada and this was when in 1978 he decided to move to alberta canada to pursue this opportunity now stampede wrestling this was this was his bread and butter this is where his, uh, his popularity started increasing. He was working with guys like Bruce Hart, uh, Bret Hart, and um, you know, despite uh, things that the Dynamite Kid may have said about Bret Hart in his autobiography, Bret Hart himself, he still uh, puts Dynamite Kid under such high 
regard and still considers him still one of the best wrestlers to ever have been produced. So after a year or so of wrestling for Stampede, obviously doing big things, this is when he was he got introduced to you know anabolic steroids, um, nothing out of the ordinary. That's 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 just wrestling. Um, I think with uh, Dynamite only being around, I think he was about oh, he was about five eight, five nine. So he wasn't the tallest in the world. So he obviously tried to make up for it. Um, not that it was needed necessarily, but it obviously helped him. Um, as around that sort of time when he was introduced to anabolic steroids, um, he started working in Japan. He had his first working in Japan uh, for International Pro Wrestling from uh, July 19th to July 25th of 1979. Um, Stu Hart and Stampy Wrestling switched their business relationship from IPW to New Japan Pro Wrestling shortly after Dunmont's first tour and he wrestled for New Japan from January 4th, 1980. And perhaps the most notable feud he had in uh, New Japan was obviously his matches with uh, Tiger Mask. Now, as I said earlier on, these matches were just leaps and bounds above some of the matches that were going on at the time. Um, these obviously created such a big reaction that this this more or less made both of their careers, these two wrestling each other, they created absolute magic inside of the ring. And nobody can deny that. If you watch the matches now, like I said, they hold up. They are just incredible. Uh, the two would compete against one another several more times in a feud that is often credited as putting junior heavyweight wrestling on the map, as well as setting the standard for future generations to come. Both the NWA and WWF junior heavyweight titles were vacated after Tiger Mask was injured by Dynamite Kid in a tag match on April 1st, 1983. Dynamite and Kuniaki Kobayashi, I probably absolutely butchered that, competed for the vacant titles, but no winner was decided. On April 21st, 1983, Dynamite and Tiger Mask met for the vacant WWF Junior Heavyweight Championship, but no winner was decided after the match ended up as a draw three consecutive times. It wasn't until February 7th, 1984, that Dynamite would capture the WWF Junior Heavyweight Championship by winning a tournament in New Japan Pro Wrestling, although it was a WWF title which was a nice little crossover. Um, it was primarily defended in Japan. He defeated David Boy Smith earlier in the tournament and were going to defeat the Cobra in the finals. So it wasn't until uh, a few months later that Dynamite would actually make his WF television debut, which was uh, August 29th, 1984, where he and his former dance partner in the ring, Bret Hart, defeated Iron Mike Sharp and Troy Alexander in a match that was eventually shown in September of uh, 1984 at the Maple Leaf Garden broadcast. So to some fans, this is, might be the most notable time in uh, Dynamite's career. Uh, this is when he uh, he would end up teaming with his cousin, David Boy Smith, as the British Bulldogs. Um, obviously, British Bulldogs, synonymous with tag team wrestling. Um, one of the best tag teams to ever come out of, well, Britain, the world, ever. Um, obviously, both incredibly athletic, both in incredible shape, both just look like wrestlers. And um, they were amazing at wrestling as well. It was at this time as well that Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Neihart would uh, come together as the Hart Foundation. And 
this led to uh, matches between the two teams that usually ended in no contests. Um, you know, no no pinfalls or anything. Just they just out wrestled each other and just out, kept out wrestling each other until well the, the time limit ran out. And December of that year, 1986, Dynamite Kid was injured in a match in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, which was against Don Morocco and Bob Orton Jr. And several of the wrestlers, including Roddy Piper, Junkyard Dog, uh, Billy Jack Haynes, would substitute for him when tag title defences were made. While recovering from the hospital uh, from the back injury, Billington would later recount that Bret Hart showed up and stated that Vince McMahon had sent him to get Dynamite Kid's belt. He refused to give the belt to Brett. I think this injury is what started the unfortunate uh, downfall of uh, Dynamite. Obviously, he um, he was very stubborn. Injuries were just not an option for him. It was wrestle or nothing. So um, he decided against doctor's orders that he would uh, check out of hospital, check himself out of hospital. And Billington met with Mr. McMahon, who requested the Bulldogs drop the tag titles to the team of Nikolai Volkov and Iron Sheik. Once again, Billington refused, saying that we'd, he would only drop the belts to the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and uh, Jim Neidhart. So under uh, Dynamite's request, the match with the, the Hart Foundation uh, happened on February 7th on an episode of WF Superstars of Wrestling. Um, the match itself was... Um, a very um, odd sight. Uh, Dynamite could barely walk, uh, obviously due to his recent back injury and everything else. And he needed to be assisted to the ring by linking arms with uh, David Boy Smith. Now, um, obviously, that's very sad to see. Obviously, he's had a, such a fall from grace. Obviously, being one of the best wrestlers in the world. And now he's just trying to, really trying to hold on to... Uh, keeping that status um i do wonder what uh what would happen if he did allow himself to heal properly instead of checking himself out of hospital i do wonder if uh all of the the shitty stuff that did happen to him w might not have happened and he might you know still be alive today he might have wrestled for 20 more years than he did um that would have been cool but obviously that's not the way things ended up going luckily for dynamite in the in the match he was uh knocked out by jimmy hart's megaphone early in the match so that uh let him avoid uh wrestling in the match for story purposes and from that point forward the bulldogs were not to be a top tier tag team anymore um while they would not become straight jobbers or people who would lose a lot they would mostly wrestle you know Double dos disqualifications, double countdowns, or time limit draws against the top teams in the WWF. After a, uh, a backstage confrontation with uh, Jacques Rougeau, you know the the classic a lot of people probably know about. I'm not going to go over here. Um, yeah, after that, the Bulldogs wrestled their last WWE match on the 1988 edition of Survivor Series. Looking at all the uh, the sites. Um, and the research I've, I've tried to do for Dynamite. Unfortunately, a lot <laughs> is mainly all of his backstage altercations, really. Uh, a lot of his wrestling is um, sort of blanked out with all of this drama, which is sad, but um, 
basically what it's saying the backstage altercation I was just talking about he would um, a lot of people saying he never recovered from you know the humili humiliation he got from that because uh, he was known for being you know the tough guy in the, in the back and all that and um, obviously he got hit back and not got knocked out and supposedly didn't recover from the humiliation so that's that that's the WWE side of his career over with um, now we're going to move on to um, when he you know returned to Stampede Wrestling All Japan Wrestling and Michinoku Pro Wrestling from 1998 so we'll start with that so the Bulldogs him obviously Dynamite and David Boy they both returned to Stampede Wrestling and on their return they won the international tag team titles they also uh, complete, uh, competed frequently in all Japan Pro Wrestling, where they were paid twenty thousand pounds or dollars each by John Baba, along with the liberty of choosing which tours they wanted to participate in. So, I think they're having a bit, a bit of a better time in uh, uh, Stampede and All, All Japan. And obviously, as I'm reading this, it turns to more drama. Um, <laughs> just, you can't avoid it with him, I don't think. Uh, yeah, just trying to find the wrestling bits. So, David Boy. Vacated the championships, he vacated the, tag, uh, the the bouts, and he returned to uh, the WWF, thus leaving Dynamite Kid on his own. So, in replacement of David Boy, a person called Johnny Smith, who was also an incredible wrestler, he would end up taking David Boy Smith's spot in the World's Strongest Tag Team, uh, Tag Determination League. And the duo, known as the British Bruisers, continued to compete in All Japan Pro Wrestling. The duo managed to capture the AGPW All Asia Tag Team Championships but the partnership was short-lived so yeah it wasn't long after this tag team that uh, you know all of the steroid abuse all the drug abuse all of the trying to work through injuries uh, finally caught up to Billington and he suddenly announced his retirement on December 6th 1991 immediately after the Bruisers defeated Johnny Ace and, and Sunny Beach at Nippon Budokan in Tokyo. Dynamite Kid's final match took place on October 10th, 1996 at a Michinoku Pro event called These Days. The match was promoted as uh, Legends of High Flying six-man six tag featuring Dynamite paired with Dos Karas and Kunaki Kobayashi against the great Sasuke, Mil Masquerez and his greatest rival, Tiger Mask. Uh, Dynamite's body had you know, clearly um, degenerated to a point where he was practically skin and bones, which is, is, if you watch the match, it's such a sad and awful sight, really. It's quite sad to watch. And, you know, it, all of his gear was loose from... Obviously, he was wearing his old gear, and it no longer fit him because he lost all his weight that he had, all the muscle he had. He'd lost it, really. Um, in the end, Dynamite delivered his trademark Tombstone Power Driver on the Great Sasuke, leading Dos Caras powerbombing Sasuke for the pinfall. Um, while um, at, the, at the airport on his return home the next day, he had a second seizure, as the first one was in 1987, while travelling with the Ultimate Warrior, and was sent to hospital immediately. So yeah, that's, um, that's about it in terms of wrestling for Dynamite Kid. Um, obviously, that's not everything. I've just skimmed over some of it because a lot of it like I said was his personal life that I didn't really want to get uh, into um, it's not really for me to talk about um, I much prefer to talk about his wrestling um, he did come out with um, an autobiography called Pure Dynamite which I have read which is a very entertaining <laughs> very entertaining read 
um, says a lot of stuff. <laughs> you think anyone reading that would put a lot of people off wrestling? Um, you know, he would. Um, that's about it, really. He wouldn't really do much more of his uh, in terms of wrestling because he would. He was more or less paralyzed, caught up in a wheelchair. He couldn't really move for himself anymore. So it's very sad, but that's really how his life ended. So there it is. That's the return episode of Pro Wrestling with Max Wilson. Obviously talking about Dynamite Kid. Went through a few things about what I'm going to do for this year. What's happening with the podcast. What's happening with me, etc, etc. Um, so from next Saturday, we'll be doing this regularly. Every week, every Saturday. Um, not sure what time. It'll be a Saturday uh, at some point during the day. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next Saturday. Cheers.